Hey, good morning. I'm on here with Mike Lamorado. I met Mike on a mental health call in the uncivilized nation. He was hosting this mental health call for men, uh, a space where we could just open up and be ourselves. And I remember sitting on that call and we were talking about different types of therapies. And uh, the one thing that caught my eye was that a lot of the men in that group were open to the, the therapy process. And it's not something that I think is normalized amongst the, the men's community. So I asked Mike to come on a few months ago, and I'm glad that we finally got the opportunity to jump on here. And today we're just going to talk about his journey from his time going from undergrad to grad school and the challenges he faced, and then why he chose therapy and some of the, the things that are associated with therapy and normalizing therapy amongst men. And I want to just take a moment and say that he's a men's therapist, and, and I haven't met many of just men's therapists, so this is this is great. To have you on, Mike. How are you doing today? Great. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Happy to be here and, and share a little bit about yeah, and men's therapies, they, they tend to be a little bit more elusive, but I think it's getting a bit more popular these days. So yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your journey, and then we'll dive right into so that painful moment or that challenging moment in your life. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I live out here in Metro Detroit area, Royal Oak, Michigan been a mental health professional for the last 10 years. And you know, I was telling you before the call, just celebrated kind of our 10 year anniversary and made the pilgrimage back to grad school. And just, just to kind of get to see where you came from and where you learned. And so this stuff is all kind of fresh on my mind, which is, I think, perfect for today. But yeah, like you said, I, I treat men here primarily. Uh, so individual therapy is kind of my bread and butter, my main gig. I've had my own practice for three years now. And then a newer revolution has just been getting into men's retreats, running men's groups throughout the year. That's something I've been doing for a while, but really just getting the men on the land and, and connecting and getting them away from there, just the city, the communities, and, and bring them to the, the inner communities of, of nature and other men. So yeah, if it's, if it's men's issues involved or men's health involved, that's, that's my game. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I was, as I mentioned to you before the call, the theme or the purpose of this this podcast is to share stories of men that have turned their pain into their power, where the, the, they've encountered some challenging moments in their life and they've chose to look inward, connect within, and live with purpose. Right. And so yeah. let's let's dive into this painful moment or this challenging moment in your life that really changed the trajectory where you ultimately are. Sure, sure. Yeah. So yeah, I think a, a pretty good time to talk about is transition from undergrad to grad school. And, you know, I just want to say initially too, like very, very fortunate life just in terms of having everything I need. And so I don't want this to sound like, you know, poor me or anything like that, but I have been very fortunate in life. But I think the bigger, the bigger kind of crucible here is like young guys kind of figuring out who, who the hell they are in this world, you know? It's something I see kind of every day a lot with, with younger men and we see uh, men going to college less and different things. So I think it kind of speaks a little bit to just how confusing it can kind of be. And I know you have a military background and maybe had to make choices around that too, right? So uh, yeah, essentially my story starts kind of from day one of knowing that I was curious about people. Um, just whether you want to call it anxiety or just consciousness or whatever, from an early age, I was just always seeing myself in relationship to people. 
I was always curious. I would always kind of ask questions about that. I wondered people why people did the things they did, right? So, um, and yeah, that kind of progressed throughout the years. When I got to undergrad, it was like a whole, whole new world, right? I, I kind of came from a bit more of a sheltered, kind of went to parochial school, stuff like that. And so when I got to undergrad, it was kind of the, the world opened up and I learned all these things, but pretty much always knew I wanted to be a healer. Um, kind of jumped around from pre-med to neuroscience, to psychology, to law enforcement. That was during the uh, 07, 08 crash. So law enforcement and municipalities were kind of on the decline at the moment. So I said, okay, like let's, let's double down in psychology, right? It's interesting. Started doing some research and undergrad research and looking into different things and was in a pretty serious relationship at the time, kind of heading into senior year of, of undergrad. And then uh, was pretty was pretty kind of destined just to go into what I would call more of a safe route, right? I was just going to go into research psychology, kind of get a master's, got into Arizona State. Um, you know, the, the idea was my girlfriend at the time. We were going to get married, right? As everyone thinks at, at some point. And yeah, last semester of senior year, everything got kind of turned on its side. Uh, that that first 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 or second real big relationship ended. Uh, and I was about a couple of weeks out from graduation, not really knowing who the hell I was I mean, what, what I'm going to do, right? This was before the nice guy approach was re- readily available and, and readable, right? But I de- identified with that a lot. I decided not to go to Arizona State. I was looking into potentially doing personal training, which nothing against personal trainers. I think can definitely is a good route to go. But I wasn't valuing kind of who I was and I wasn't believing in myself. And um, I rem- it was a very painful moment, right? Uh, I think depression is one of the things that most guys probably have dealt with. It's, it's probably one of the more common kind of things. So, I mean, I can remember just that last semester not getting off my couch, uh, barely getting to the gym, barely making it by, just just kind of, I don't know, just just vegetating, right? Just Just in that pain, it was the first relationship that ever really kind of knocked me to that core, right? Uh, and then uh, kind of out of the blue, I'd applied to some other grad schools. And remember, I came home, packed up everything from college, didn't really know what I was going to do. Got back to my summer job. So I said, okay, well, at least I have three months to, you know, make a little bit of money here, live at home for a minute. And then I got a call from another grad school that uh, essentially they had an assistantship opening. So assistantships are essentially... Um, you take a job with the university and they help pay for some of your, your time there. So decided to switch programs uh, and go to a place that I had never visited or didn't even really know anything about in the middle of nowhere, Illinois. So, uh, and it doesn't even really stop there, right? So I went there, I went to orientation and I remember my mom take, coming, coming down with me and we stayed in a hotel for a couple of days and we found a place to live and then she took the train back and I was like, okay, like, this is happening. I'm out here on my own, you know, kind of taking that hero's journey, that jump. And uh, the next thing was really wild, right? We were at, or I was at orientation and I saw people from another program there in clinical psychology. And I was just could not like, couldn't stop like staring at these people of like, wait, what are these people doing? You know, because I was kind of in the safe world of research, experimental psychology, but something in me just kind of clicked. And just so happened that in that program, someone had dropped out 
So what happens is as long as you're in the psychology program, essentially you can, if there's a spot, you can, you can kind of transfer, you're kind of a free agent. So, uh, yeah, I, I approached the clinical program director and said, Hey, I don't know what's really telling me this, but I think I need to be over here with you guys. And, uh, as luck would have it, he said, yeah, we actually had someone drop out last minute. So the spot's yours. We never really done this before, but the spot's yours if you want it. And so I grabbed it and I said, okay, well, I'm going to see how this goes for three to six months. You know, let's not make any decisions. First three to six months were pretty wild. It was like, what am I doing? Am I sure I could do this? Do I even want to be a therapist? But I kind of listened to that, that piece deep and in, deep inside of me. Right. And some people might call that intuition or core energy or the Holy spirit or what have you. But I think that's within all of us. Right. And I think as guys, we'd be wise to listen to that more and kind of turn down some of that other otherly worldly stuff or just criticism or doubt. So yeah, in the matter of a month, my life went from, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. I'm done with college. My whole life is crashing on me to now I'm in the middle of nowhere, rural Illinois and feeling like I kind of found my home. So uh, it was just a really, and I look back to it and got a bit of emotional when I went back this past weekend, because it's just, you know, it, it's just crazy how life works out like that somehow, you know, how out of like, like you said before, out of pain or hardship or heartache can come some of our, our greatest things, right? And sometimes you have to trust yourself and take that next step. Yeah. So, yeah. I appreciate that. I, I was a few months ago, I, I was on a walk. We were in we were in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and I was in, I was on this trail, and I was by myself, and and I just had this thought that came to me because I was focused so much on my failures, and yeah. and I'm a very big believer that when you you have negative thoughts, you're going to attract negativity, right? So you, it's being aware of, of you know how your your self talk, the power of your self talk, and I had, and I had this reframe moment that was, what if my biggest failures were my greatest successes and that out yeah. of our out of our failures perceived failures yeah our greatest successes yeah. so i want to i want to take a minute and go back back to that time and and ask you the question of so you so you were having a lot of chaos in your life your girlfriend had just broken up with you you had talked about associating you, you could associate with the nice guy yeah. and you were talking about not going to the gym and things of that nature well what were you doing how were you coping with all these feelings that you were yeah. you were having because many men we don't do we don't like feeling we don't we don't want to do that we, we want to stay far away from yeah well i can tell you not well initially right you know that was oh uh, that was 21 year old mike right so yeah pretty standard right i didn't go down the more stereotypical routes of drinking and that kind of deal but i had just uh, you know the body's fascinating right when you have this pain and especially depression it actually lights up the same parts of your brain as like actual physical pain so i'm more and i find that everyone kind of reacts to depression differently right but i was more of a disassociator right so i was kind of like a zombie walking around you know i can remember sleeping and some guys might identify with this but just sleeping so much and you know, I'm a fairly active guy and I was just laying on the couch. You know, my roommates thought I was like, it was like, Hey, you should like go to the hospital. You're like dying or what, what's going on. So it was really just 
not allowing myself to feel those emotions first, right? Then it wasn't until I kind of came back home, like, thank God I kind of was graduating and just getting back to some home life and had a bunch of high school buddies who were working out again. And that kind of pulled me out of it, to tell you the truth. Uh, I I preach about this probably too much and, and daily with my own clients, but it's movement, man. I really think movement as guys for everyone, obviously, you know, we see that going on at a national level, but movement as guys allows us to kind of dive into our deeper kind of crevices elsewhere. Right. And I, I think that's, um, I just think that's really important. So yeah, I started moving and when you move, you can say, okay, yeah, what, what's, what's going on over here? Or let's get curious about that. It's, it almost arms you or allows you to engage your emotions in a more direct manner. Yeah, I appreciate that. There's a practice that I do with my coaching clients, like feel the feelings. And part of that is, yeah. is movement, right? Like in, in my yeah. opinion, that being able to get these emotions flowing, you have to move. So I, I really do appreciate that. In the, in the time of no, there yeah. there was no yeah. like probably deep literature on the nice guy syndrome. Can you? And I know there's a lot more now, but can you tell me about the nice guy syndrome and then what? How you started to move away from that? How you started to get in connection, like you said, with it, that intuition within yourself? Because I think a lot of men we don't have connection with ourselves because we're so external externally focused. We're, we're worried about our kids, yeah. you know, as a father of four, soon to be five, like I'm worried about my kids' emotions. I'm worried about my wife, my wife's emotions, <laughs> right? I'm worried sure. about making sure that the house is taken care of. What, yeah. what did you do? What is a nice guy? And then what did you do to, to start getting in touch with yourself? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think a lot of people have a different definition of the nice guy, but I tend to look at it as an anxiety disorder. I tend to look at it as a part of us that says, Somewhere along the way, and, and a lot of people would say it's just, it's kind of in our generation. So I would say like older 20s to early, early 50s, late 40s is a good like subset of nice guys, in my opinion. But uh, it's this anxious part of us that says, hey, somewhere along the line, you learned that it wasn't okay to kind of speak up. You're not totally okay with yourself. And you need to be really respectful and overly respectful of everyone else, right? Uh and I think it really comes from the origins of just not being validated on certain things, not being able to open up, kind of be seen, not heard. Um, there, there are some like societal things that probably happened during our childhood too, of just, you know, don't, don't distress women, don't cause problems for people. I have this concept I call it, like to call no wake, you know, like, uh, like water, no wake zone. Um, don't create wake, don't create waves, be a good boy and just kind of travel on that way. And then the problem becomes, right? You can you can act like you don't have needs until you're blue in the face, but shocker, we all have needs, right? We're we're humans. So those needs get covertly kind of threaded into passive aggressive behavior and then things get real wonky, right? You know, women women are like, "Oh, this guy is just so he's perfect. He's so nice. He does all these things. There's never any drama." Until that one day where that that resentment leaks out, or you know something leaks out, and it gets real, it can get really dark, right? You know, guys can some of the stuff's been stewing for a long time. So, yeah, I, I look at it as more of a societal response to kind of where our parents were at when we were little. Uh, not talking about the deeper emotions, shame, guilt, 
and unfortunately kind of internalizing those. And looking back, man, it's like cringy because I saw that so much in this, in this relationship, right. That was only my second, third girlfriend at the time, you know, uh, and how I kind of reclaimed that was, unfortunately, I think sometimes not all the time, but sometimes guys have to kind of be chopped down a little bit to really feel and really move through that pain and to then on the other side, hopefully claim something for yourself. So my pithy answer to that is essentially just at some point you have to choose yourself. And that might mean standing alone for a while. That might mean doing something crazy, like going to a grad program you just accepted to two weeks prior. That could be for some people, I think too, entering the military, something they need to do for themselves or to better themselves or to um, have, have a calling or family. Uh, but yeah, I think at some point you realize that if you don't ever choose yourself first, that you can't show up for anyone else in a, in a healthy masculine manner. Yeah. yeah I appreciate that. I, I want to ask this question because it came up and, and if you can't answer it, that's okay. Sure. But yeah, you know, I, I think about two and a half years ago, Alex, right? I'm 13 years in the Navy. Yeah. I'm solely focused on my career. Yeah. And and when you had said right there, and I'm I, I have challenges by this now of like creating messaging to to, to reach men like two and a half year old or two and a half year old, two point five years ago, Alex. Um, yeah. When you say choose yourself, like I am choosing myself. I am, you know, yeah. working and I am providing for my family. I'm doing things that I, what I perceived that I want to do. Right. But yeah. then I pulled these layers back and I realized that I joined the military because I wanted a connection with my father. Like I didn't have any connection with my father. My father was a 20 year Navy, uh, Air Force veteran. And mm. uh, as soon as I joined the Navy, man, boom, we were we were communicating. We were having long yeah. phone calls. We, there was there was some type of connection. So my question is this, like, what does choose yourself look like to men? It, yeah. it, it may not be, I don't use the word conscious, but have not done yeah. some work to peel back layers. Yeah. I think it's starting to look at your programming. Um, you know, it's interesting. Your, your 2.5 self was, you know, thinking that they selected the Navy to, you know, and, and I'm sure there was parts of you that really were really you know, fascinated or like felt good about that. But yeah, it was, it was tied to your dad. So it's almost like, I almost want to say it's like this rite of passage thing that doesn't always happen in our culture. Right. So until you can't really shake that out until you've kind of been able to stand in the clearing, right. It's, it's a phrase I like to use with some people of Standing in the clearing is essentially just saying you are somewhere between leaving your family of origin and starting a new life and life kind of knocks you down in a sense, right? So I think for maybe even some of the younger guys is how that would translate is trying something on your own, you know, try, trying to get out into the world in some way, right? whether it's through military things or just college or just traveling Europe for a year or whatever, whatever you need to do, but you need to stand in the clearing of your life at some point. And that's where I think we're seeing a lot of problems with that right now and in the U S obviously, but I think that's what we're called to do. Right. And yeah, I'm not discounting that that can be significantly daunting and overwhelming and people may not have the means to be able to do that. Right. 
where they, they rely on their parents or their, their family or their culture to kind of, you know, to survive, but they also know it's kind of keeping them held back. I think that's tough. And there's no, like, there's no really minimum or maximum age here, which I think is kind of the scary thing. Some guys wake up, you know, I, I work with, I pretty much work from 20 to 60 is like my range of men. And there's some guys who don't wake up till 50 and who are now saying, wow, I've been, I've been an engineer for 30 years, but you know, I actually just want to go into forestry and, or be a biologist or, or do that. So I think what we're doing, honestly, with this kind of work and then man and civilized is just doing this work earlier and, and giving these, giving these men, young men experiences where they can figure out kind of who they are at younger and younger, we're like moving that, that bar back down to what I think should be like a, a proper time of adolescence of spending time away from your parents and figuring out, I just got back from a vision quest in March and being a 33 year old man and finally still or finally getting to the point in my life where I can like trust myself fully and, and have that. It's like, man, we, we need to offer those, that stuff to younger generations. Yeah. That hopefully, hopefully that answer, hopefully not rambling too much on that one, but um, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I think that it's important that, you know, we bring like highlights to that because like you said, many men don't, sometimes we are, are, I started joining a bunch of Facebook groups recently, my dad's Facebook groups, because I was on a call yeah. with Traver on the Uncivilized Father, and he had asked me, like, what are fathers struggling? And mm -hmm. I, I can only tell you from my experience what I'm struggling with. And so I would, and the men that I work with, I know a, a, a little bit, but I'm like, I want to know more. So I joined all these Facebook groups and I got in onto these Facebook groups. And I immediately, immediately saw a lot of negativity and fear. And a lot of victim mindset, right? And which comes to my my next point of like the the how common this victim mindset is of where like yeah. life is happening to me instead of yeah. me create you know I'm the creator of my life, right? Like Correct. instead of seeing everything, and, and this is I know this is a higher thought than than people may be able to process, and and, that, and I'm not taking any hits there, but if you can change the way that you see life of like this is good or bad. It's just happening, yeah. right? Like this is just happening and yeah. having, having the curiosity in what the lesson is, why is this, yeah. you know, like having more interest into the question rather than the answer, right? Because yeah. when you, when you get the answer, when you're looking for the answer, you're like committed to, to being right. You're committed to, to this path of defensiveness, closed minded. But if you just have this open mind and you're curious of what comes from it, I think there can be change. Yeah. And I, I say all that to preface that. You talked about this intuition a couple couple minutes ago that you that you yeah. you followed into clinical psychology, right? To bring it back yeah. to you here, tell me tell me was that built? Was that something you always <laughs> had, or what did you do to get that intuition? Because I'm sitting here and I'm like, wow, yeah. me and me and you were the yeah. same were the same age, and I'm like, I'm still trying yeah. to find the the intuition from time to time. Sure, sure, yeah. I think it means different things to different people, but I think it really is our. I think we all have inner core energy, or if you want to call that your, your core self. And I think if you do, if you listen, if you can quiet some of the generational voices, if you can quiet, you know, the world a little bit, I think that voice is really there, you know, and we, we talked about wilderness retreats too previous, and it's pretty clear that when you guys, when you get guys on the land, you listen to things a little bit better, you know? 
But yeah, I, I think it's something that's built into all of us. I don't think you just find it one day at the, you know, back of your closet. I think it is, it is there. It's about kind of doing the work to get back to yourself. I think we all have inherent wisdom in there. Some might require a little bit more excavating than others, right? Just because of our, we have such unique experiences and we live in a diverse country with a lot of things. And uh, I think it's there. I think it's there. Most guys, if you'll talk to them, they'll know that that marriage maybe wasn't the thing for them. They'll know that uh, taking this very safe job, they still heard a little faint voice that wasn't totally okay with that, right? So I think what we're doing is we're kind of like, we're kind of like calibrating men to listen to those deeper areas again and not get so wrapped up in overperforming, overproviding, you know, all the things that our dad's generation did pretty well, I would say, for most guys at least. Uh, but getting back into, oh, actually life works better if I actually honor the things that I like to do. You know, I tell people all the time, like if you were to if you were to kidnap me and I woke up and I was somehow now an accountant and I was working at a firm and I was auditing people, like I wouldn't last a week, man. I would run I would run away. I would run away. You know, I would escape because I can't, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. I have to, I have to work with people. I have to work for myself. I have to work with men. Now they don't like women. I love women, but it's just, yeah. Once you kind of engage that core self and there's, you know, there's a lot of different ways to get there, right? Therapy, wilderness retreats, men's initiation, men's groups, talking with other men. I can't tell you how many men this past year alone that have randomly met throughout life have wanted to connect and have been very curious about what it means to be a therapist, right? And there's not, I don't think that's a coincidence, right? I think what we're talking about is guys are waking up to like what they actually want to do with their life. Because at the end of that is if you're doing what you want to do, uh, no surprise here, everyone else is happier in your life, right? You're your wife actually likes you, your partner likes you, your kids can look up to you, you feel good about your community you're in, right? It's so kind of wraps around to that nice guy question again. But if you if you do this work, like everyone else celebrates that too, and you're you're just a better partner and a better father and civilian and what whatever, you know? So yeah, but I think it's there. I think it's there. And I think people like us are trying to help guys acknowledge that. Right. Yeah, I, I appreciate that said this many times on different podcasts about like the importance of doing your own work. You know, I, for years, my wife tried to get me to do the work and she wasn't successful. And there was a point where she had to, you know, like she was doing her own work and she was hiring her vibration. And there's two, you know, it goes in two directions, right? Like if you're in partnership or whatever your situation is, if you're around people that are not doing the work and their vibrations lower, you're going to, you're going to match that. But if you surround yourself with people that, that are doing the work that have higher vibration, yeah. you're either going to, you know, detach from them. You're going to, you know, yeah. go your separate ways or you're going to hire your vibration. And I think that it's important that as men that we understand that energetics is real, right? Like we, we yeah. get so caught up in the tangible, we get yeah. caught up in the, in the material, everything that's around yeah. us, but yeah. there is an energetic piece that I think we lack. And that's why I asked that intuition question, because I, I really do think yeah. that energetics has a play there on that transitioning i want to ask this question to you because i've been very intrigued like why therapy like you so you you went to clinical psychology you know you had this intuition yeah. but why therapy men's therapy and now 
we were talking about wilderness therapy. Tell me about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of had a plethora of interest in an undergrad, right? I kind of bounced between pre-med and neuroscience, law enforcement. I knew I wanted to be in the helping field. I was, so I was in the right quadrant. I was just kind of looking through the jungle of what do I actually see myself doing? And I think just putting yourself into different shoes and I did different experiences, did research, shadowed people, interviewed people, which I always recommend to younger people, you know, just interview people. Like if you see a guy doing what you maybe like to do, talk with them, take them out for coffee, you know, go out to breakfast. But yeah, so I kind of tried on all these different hats in a slight way. You know, pre-med was, no, I suck at chemistry and calculus and I had a hard time getting into those classes. So I kind of was like, all right, well, let's look over here. We can kind of keep this on the back burner. Law enforcement, I really interested in that, but still not always just helping people at the end of the day. And I looked at neuroscience and experimental psychology and really cool, really fascinating, right? What does the brain do? Finding different medications and cures to things was really cool. Still not intimate enough for me. And then I think how it landed on clinical psychology was just, I can't think of a, of a better privilege or anything that's more interesting than to be able to know and work with people's stories and to see people, especially men, uh, show up in their life, right? So obviously I didn't know that as I was getting into the field, that it just seemed like, what can I do? How can I do the best or serve the most within the capacity that seems the most interesting to me? And, you know, it's talked about a lot in grad school is the therapeutic relationship is unlike any other relationship you ever have in your life, right? I mean, you can open up to this person. This person might know everything about you and um, your partner might know that too, but it's it's a person that you don't have to do anything for, right? It is a it is such like a coveted, special, important relationship. So that's why I think really just pulled the therapy, right? It, it is such a unique experience. You might know more about this person than anyone else in their life does. And you might see them in that darkness, but then you also get to see them kind of reclaim their life and, and crawl out of that. So uh, I'm biased, man, I, honestly, but I don't see that's just a cool, that's a cool gig. You know, I don't know anything else other than maybe like surgery or something like that, where you would be that intimate with someone and, and help them kind of walk during that path of life, knowing that that guy has not only kind of saved his own life, but is now, you know, there's these ripple effects within his family and his partner and his society. You know, a lot what Traver talks about too, is just kind of helping one man at a time. You're not just helping the man, you're helping everyone around him. So continue to be very blessed by that. And I just personally can't see a more interesting job. So that's how I kind of landed on therapy. Yeah. <laughs> it leads me to this question. How do we normalize therapy as men? Right? Like, big question. Maybe I try to be more specific, but I often, when, I, when I'm talking to to men and these Facebook groups, or I, you know, just interact with in public. As soon as I mention men's work or therapy, I get like pushed away. Right, this mm. hard boundary gets put up, and yeah. it, it's it, it doesn't personally hurt me when they do it, but it hurts that I know that these men are there's pain. Right, there's pain, and 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 it's important that we're able to understand our pain because, our, like I like I say, the theme. If we yeah. can understand our pain, it can propel us to our power, our purpose in life. 
And so like, how do we yeah, normalize absolutely. therapy? Because I think I am a, a firm believer therapy is a, is a, I think it's a necessity. Like we need this, right? We need this to, to take the transformation steps and, and not in the sense there's something wrong with you, but that it's a tool or a resource that you can just vent out. Yeah, I think what we're already doing, I think having guys open up about these things. Yeah. I think the men's work, I think if you can get, get guys into men's work as a group, it becomes less daunting. Uh, I think we have guys open up about their experience with, with therapy and, and just sharing that. Uh, I remember years ago, a uh, University of Michigan football player opened up around going to therapy. And this was like probably six years ago. And everyone was like, why are you in therapy? You're the star, whatever. And you play for Michigan. Like you shouldn't, you shouldn't be depressed. Like what's wrong with you? And I'm glad to see that's improved now, but I think it starts with like people really just opening up, getting into men's work. That's more of the open-ended, but I think on more of a just health or clinical kind of side is just go to the doctors, <laughs> you know, like go, if you're in your, if you're in your late twenties or thirties, just go to your primary care doctor, right. And say, Hey, you know, most of them are trained now to, to check for depression. And just be honest, you know, this is caring for yourself. So maybe the first step is just to say, hey, I haven't had a physical in five years. I should go do that. And and not being afraid to, and hopefully have a good PCP, but hopefully telling them, hey, him or her, hey, like, I'm not doing okay. You know, do you, do you have anyone locally who'd recommend? So starting there can be a really easy way of an inroad if you don't know where to start. Um, and therapy doesn't hurt. Uh, it's uncomfortable, but it doesn't hurt. Talk with someone, get a, get a free consult. Myself and a lot of people I know here, at least offer free consults. And we had a saying in grad school, all these, all these uh, things from grad school are coming back because it's fresh, but uh, date around, you know, we used to say like finding a therapist is kind of like dating initially, right? Sometimes you got to date around a little bit and find someone you, you want to like this person, right? So you don't, it's this weird thing that guys will do sometimes is like, oh, I've seen this doctor for like 50 years and he saw my, my parents, and my grandparents, and but I don't really like them. You know, it's like, well, like date around then. Like it's, it's okay. You don't have to, just because they have an advanced degree doesn't mean they're going to be the best fit for you. So yeah, I would say talk with people. Um, if, if every guy, so at least one guy in every friend group probably has been to therapy at this point. I would say it's getting, it's getting better. So if that one guy were to open up um, and let's be honest, you know, when your friends are struggling, but how hard is it to name that? Right. How hard is it to pull someone aside after a night out and say, Hey man, um, heard what's going on. You seem like you're struggling. Are you okay? You know, so doing that reach out to, I think we can do a better job, but yeah, I think it's talking about it. Going, getting your getting your other health looked at because we're not the best at that either, <laughs> and caring for the people in our tribes. Right? If 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 a guy is not okay, let's let's not make it weird to reach out and say, "Hey, you can hate me, you can yell at me, but I don't think you're okay, and I'm not here to criticize you. I'm here to support you." Absolutely. Yeah. I want I want to before I get into my my last question to open it up for you. I want to ask you one more yeah. specifically sure. around maybe there's something that. You we can provide even more value than what we already have in this episode. I know one thing for me, you know, I'm always in my head and I know a lot of men talk about that. 
what are some things, exercises or some tips that you can give right now on men that maybe just like the simple, like I'm always in my head, I'm always thinking, I'm always overanalyzing. How can we drop into the body? Like, what are some things that we can do? A quick exercise, if you have one or advice that you can give on that. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, uh, so I think I stealing this from, uh, the Bedros Koulian show. Cause I, I like watching his stuff just with discipline and stuff like that, but he makes a good point. Writing out your rules, your routines and your rituals. And something I start with every client, and this isn't exotic or sexy, but it is just writing out what your days want to, what you want your days to look like, because I can guarantee you, even if you're the most efficient, happy dude, you're going to have days that like, just literally kick you down, you know, kick your ass and just, then just keep you down. Right. But if you can have a roadmap or I like to call them guardrails, that is like non-negotiables, right? So non-negotiable for me is Monday through Thursday, I work out before work, before I start seeing clients. I don't check my phone until after the gym um, and I meditate 10 to 15 minutes, right? Those, those things are things that everyone can do to some degree, right? So I would say is start making non-negotiables in your life and start making containers in your life that are going to get you outside of your head, right? I see a lot of guys, what happens is they have this great life and then they don't have these guardrails. So then they get just stuck in isolation, um, problematic soothing, right? Over drinking, porn, all those things are very like, they almost keep you like shackled, right? So, but if even if you're having the worst day and you show your body that, hey, I'm still going to go to the gym, I'm still going to have date night and I'm still going to meditate. Like, what are you showing your body, right? You're, you're showing your body a dialect, which is I can feel both of these things and I can still keep moving on. So I get real, uh, I get real up close and personal with people's schedules when I first meet with them, because if, if you don't have that container holding you, you're just going to be kind of just blowing in the breeze some days because you don't have any anchor points, right? So, and again, that's not like super in depth or like, parts work or insightful, but it's a good place to start. You know, I even uh, throw this in just as ending of like, I read somewhere that Jordan Peterson won't won't actually, when he was seeing people, he wouldn't actually even work with people unless they could prove that they were working out, had a routine and were sleeping at least seven to eight hours a night. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I I, uh, appreciate it. Pretty hardcore on it, but yeah. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just saying, uh, yeah, it's it's not glamorous, but it's it's the foundational work that's going to pull you through some dark days. So yeah, I would tell every guy is just writing what your day, what you want it to look like first, and then going from there. Yeah, I appreciate that. I know that uh, you know I, I look back for myself the last month and a half, two months, and I've had some physical ailments that puts me has put me down, and I've been working a lot. I mentioned before the call, and you know, I know that I been isolating myself a little bit yeah. it's been challenging and i know that i haven't been showing up the way that i've want, wanted to and so i also want to say to any man that's listening right now when when mike says like hey get in the you know get in the gym or going to the gym it doesn't have to be a physical gym movement we Correct. talked about movement at the very beginning it could go on it could be a walk it could be a jog it could it could be doing yoga it could be you know whatever the case may be but putting some some physicality or some movement of your body is important you know it's important for all but specifically as men we were we tend to be more physical creatures right (laughs) and um yeah 
So I, I appreciate that feedback there. I, I'm just going to give you the floor for two to three minutes and, and, and let you talk about kind of, obviously we know what you do, but just whatever yeah. you want to with regards to the, this topic. Sure. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. I think a good thing to note too, is that if you, if you are interested in therapy, finding the right therapist is important, but also knowing that there's different styles of therapy, right? So I guess just as a little, like little nugget, when you're interviewing a therapist, like make sure they have, make sure they kind of have a game plan, right? The biggest complaint, unfortunately, I hear from a lot of people who've been in therapy is, well, I just, I just went to supportive therapy. All they did was listen and kind of nod and write notes down and agree with me, right? That is, and this is just my opinion. I don't want to be burned at the APA stake or anything like that, but it's, <laughs> it's uh, like you, your therapist should have kind of a roadmap, right? So I do what's called parts work, uh, which is called formerly internal family systems, right? Therapy but just it's parts work, right? Works really well with guys. I would recommend it for any guy listening out there just because um, it, so the theory is that we are made up of sub-personalities, okay? So sub-personalities kind of manage our life. Our, we have wounded parts that get stuck in there, right? They get frozen. And as guys, we think we're clever. Oh, I'll just kind of push these wounded parts down. You know, I'm gonna kind of spackle over them and to kind of put them into compartments but they leak through, right? They leak through. And then you find yourself managing more and more of your life, not really living. Um, so I, I like parts work for guys. Obviously, I'm biased because I've trained in parts work. But I think it's important for guys to at least get in somewhere. So yeah, interview your therapist. Would you would, would you be friends with this person? Would you do you trust this? Can you see yourself trusting you, this person over time? I think guys really need to be engaged in therapy if they're going to get a, a lot out of it. So that's just my little platform for therapy. But yeah, otherwise, if, if you're in the Great Lakes region over here in Metro Detroit, it's pretty easily accessible to a lot of areas around here. And yeah, we have three men's groups running during the year. We take a break in the summer. So we're just actually about to wrap up the spring group. And then next couple of weeks, I'll be launching our second annual men's wilderness retreat, which will be in mid-Michigan. So big rapids, Michigan. So uh, we talked about before too, of just adding in that wilderness component. I think now more than ever, as everything starts to be automated and artificial and all this stuff is it's time to really just connect with the land again too. You know, we we're very out of touch. So yeah, th those are the three things I'm kind of passionate about. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's been a wild ride kind of doing a 10 year reflection is they, they say in grad school, you don't really know who you are in this field until you're about 10 years in. And that was true. That was, that was really true. We all kind of scoffed at that time, right? It's like, well, we don't want to be therapists, you know, but yeah, I can, it's interesting how that lines up of, I've never been so clear on the population I want to work with, how I want to work with men and just seeing the road before me. So it's an exciting thing. And I hope that every guy can, can feel that and, and lean to his edge and his mission because it's what kind of feeds us, right? It's what feeds us in a crazy world. So, uh, yeah. I appreciate that. I, um, I know that you mentioned the things that you have. How can, how can men reach out to you? If, if this message, you, you know, your story resonated with those that are listening. How can they yeah. in contact with you? Yeah, probably easiest way is MetroDetroitMensTherapy.com. Pretty simple. Just, just hyphenated there. 
Also on therapist as Mike Lamorado therapist. So underscores between those. If you want to link that or do whatever. Yeah. Happy to do a free consult. Happy to, if you're in another state, I'm happy to help you find a therapist in that state or give you some ideas of what, how that would help you connect you with any wilderness things. Also worked with veterans for a, a ton of years too. So I have a guy, a colleague here in Michigan who does a lot of veteran and law enforcement work. So if that's you, please reach out as well. Yeah. Would be happy to even talk about if you want to become a therapist and what that looks like. Obviously don't know all the answers, but happy to share what I've learned. Yeah. Oh yeah. I appreciate that, Mike. And I really do appreciate your time. I'll draw, I'll make sure that I link all those, those things that we just mentioned in the comments. On the show oh, appreciate it, man. Thank you for your time. I know that you, you're busy and, and yeah. uh, look forward to the next time. Cool. Thanks, man. Appreciate it.